Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, all right. Is there anybody thankful and glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, let's give God a big shout of praise all over this room. All right. I love that. I love that. Man, we're so honored that you're here. Thank you so much for being at church today. You could be anywhere else. And uh, I just want to tell you I'm so proud of you for being here. So excited. Uh, for this series that we've been in and just uh, just excited to be finishing it up today. We're kicking off a brand new series next week and I know fall break's kind of kicking in and some other things, but man, you do not want to miss over the next couple of weeks. We're going to dive into a book of the Bible called Second Timothy and look at literally just a few things that we're going to talk through together uh, of a soldier, of an athlete, and a farmer. It's going to be a great time. Cannot wait for that. But before we get there, we're going to be talking about some things today that I just want to just kind of all of, again, over the last few weeks, we've been tackling culture's questions with God's answers, right? And we've been looking at that. And so I just want everybody to know that, that again, uh, wherever you might come from, wherever you might be at, whatever your past may look like, I want you to know that God loves you, that he sees you, and that, listen, I want, I want to just start off today that, again, we're talking about this idea of what if I've had an abortion, Right? And we talked about last week, we talked about what if, um, last week we talked about the idea of what if I'm attracted to the same sex. The week before that, I shared a little bit of my story. What if I'm, what if I'm addicted to pornography? And in week one, Pastor Kyle kicked us off by talking about what if I want to kill myself. And I want you to know that as we have been talking through this series, I would just hope that like what we've been talking about, obviously it's been one of those things that again, the church for a long time kind of shies away from, but we want to be a church that just talks about it. And I want everybody just to just take a deep breath in, come on, on three, one, two, three, and just say, relax, just say, just say, relax, come on, just say, relax, relax, all right, I want everybody just to just relax for a second, because we're going to talk about it, and I just think we're going to be a church that talks about it, uh, these ideas of what culture is very loud about, and we're going we're gonna to just spend some time working through that today, and again, I, I would hope that this series for you and I, what it would have done for us is that it would give us some empathy for some other people, that we would look through a different lens at people in our life that every single day that we come in contact with, that maybe they're walking through something that nobody knows about, and maybe there's something, a question that they're asking, and yet you're in their path for a reason, and I just want to just, again, just kind of charge the church a little bit that guess what there are a lot of people asking these questions and I think we've got to approach it like we did last week right this idea and it's not going to be up on the screen but we're going to approach even today's topic with this idea of I've always heard it like this Pastor Chris Hodges says it like this truth without grace is mean right like if somebody's just hollering truth that's just mean to somebody right but grace without truth is meaningless but truth and grace, that's some good medicine. Come on, somebody, right? That's a good combination, and that's what we're going to be because ultimately, Jesus modeled that. Ultimately, Jesus was the epitome of truth and grace. And so today, we're going to just walk through this idea of what if I've had, or what if I've had an abortion 
and, uh, or maybe you're considering it, or maybe this isn't even anywhere on your radar, I would just encourage you to lean into it today because I kind of want to do two things. I want to start out by just kind of making a case uh, for the reason why we as a church are so about life, why, why we are so about the fact that we believe that God had put that little baby inside of a womb. And I want to just kind of just, just share that with you, our heart behind that. And where, again, this is just one instance of where it comes from in the Bible, but I think it's such a profound instance. I'm, that's on one hand what I want to just take some time to do today. And then on the other hand, I do want to talk to you that maybe you have had an abortion before, or maybe you're considering it right now, or maybe you know someone who is considerate and uh, considering that. And I just want to take just a second, just again, in all of it, handle it with truth and grace. Everybody good with that? I said, everybody good with that? About six of you the first time. All right, everybody else is good now. We're, we're all on the same page. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to understand again, I want to start off today saying no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been there, no matter how many times you've been there, I want you to know that you, there one, of, one of three things I want you to also know is that you matter to God, you matter to us, and you matter to me. I want you to know that you matter to this church. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you were last night. I want you to know that you matter to us, you matter to God, and you matter to me. And we're going to talk through a little bit of that today because, again, all of us, let's just be honest, how many of us have a past? Come on, wave at me if that's you. I think we all do. I think we've all been there before. And uh, Again, when it comes to this subject of what if I've had an abortion, this idea of abortion, I want to just take it, again, one of two ways. And so the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of life and why it's so important. Again, I'm a dad, and so I'm a dad of, of four, and uh, me and Allie have four babies, and we, we're going to stop at four for now. It's, 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 it's where we're going to be for a little bit. And uh, we've got an eight-year-old gal, uh, two, uh, a four-year-old boy, and then our twin baby girls turned two yesterday. And so, like, yeah, they're awesome. So Everly and Elsie love them so much. But I remember um, uh, when we went to the, uh, the, the actual doctor's office, and what we began to do is we began, like, we walked in. It was the first week of COVID, right? It's like the very first week that COVID is going on, and everybody's starting to wear their mask. And what happens is, is they're wearing their mask, and we go in. We didn't know there was two at the time, right? Like, we, we walk into the doctor's office, and I remember going in there, and the next thing you know is, is the lady's like, hey, I'm not usually down here, but I'm here today. And she comes down the, uh, the hall to the, the actual room where we're at with the ultrasound machine. And I remember... Like literally behind her mask, her eyes got as big as saucers. I'm talking about like huge. And she's like, I don't know how to say this, but there's two of them in there. And I'm like, yo, I don't know how to say that either. Like, what do you, what do you mean there's two of them in there? And we found out that we were having twins. And, and uh, I was just like, I, I told Allie, I, first of all, I just started apologizing because we weren't in the, in the process of really trying to have any more. And then we got two of them, praise God. I'm really thankful for that. So thankful. Uh, even in my past, if I having leukemia when I was a kid, just didn't know if we were going to be able to have kids so man they're a blessing for us and and I'm so thankful for them but like at the time I was like oh my goodness right this is crazy this is wild what's going on and I just think it's so important that as we were doing that like I, I want you to know that like what happened when we were looking at those images is like you got to realize how incredible conception is like it is one of the most precious things I believe that has I mean I'm, one of the most incredible miracles that God has ever given like listen this baby right here was created in the image of God to live forever, right? That, that, that they would have a body, but their, their soul would go on forever, that they would live for eternity. And I think about that, 
And I think about how those little babies, that all of us and every single one of us were what God said in Genesis chapter 1, 27, that he created all of us, man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And so I want to kind of just throw this out there to us. I believe that where we should start and where we could start today is that God, listen, God always, what he does, and we'll throw it up there on the screen uh, really quick because I've changed it on my notes. God always... Um, not choose his life. What is that, Aaron? I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. What is it? God always, the, the one right after that. God always values life. I forgot what I changed it to. Thank you, Aaron. Give Aaron a shout-out back there. You're so awesome. So awesome. I was not ready for that because I didn't change it in my life. God always values life. I want you to see that. I want you to see it so much that even John 10, 10 says it. Even John 10, 10, the, this idea that the thief's purpose, like the devil's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus is saying, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That does not mean that we're going to have money in the bank, okay? That's not what that means when he says rich. Another version says an abundant life, like a, a, an abundant life. And I think that's so important for you and I to understand is that, hey, God, he values life so much so that he created life in his own image. I want us to see that. And, and, and then I want to take it to the Newer Testament today. And I want to take it to a story of a couple of couples that I think we can learn this idea of why do we as a church value life? Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we think so much? Why do we put so much investment as a church into organizations like Lifehouse? And why do we do that for the Moses basket? You know why? Because we believe God values life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to talk about these couple of couples from the New Testament. One, the first couple, is Elizabeth and Zechariah. We're going to call them Liz and Zeke, all right? That's what we're going to call them today, all right? So Liz and Zeke, and then we've got another couple by the name of Mary and Joseph. you probably heard of them, but, but, but I want to just kind of talk about this first couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, first. And I want you to know that Luke is writing in Luke chapter 1, and Luke actually is a doctor. And so I love this idea that Luke, as a doctor, is writing it. And there's certain little tidbits in there that just kind of sound doctorish, right? Just have some good things in there. And as we're studying, as we're looking at this today, I want you to know about Elizabeth and Zechariah. They've been married for a long time. All right? Like a long time. Somebody say a long time. They've married a long time, and guess what? At the time, they have no kids. Right? The, the, the Bible tells us that Elizabeth was actually barren. Like she could not have children. And I want you to know that this is a big deal at this time because in this culture, hey, you passed on like your, your name, you passed on your legacy through your children. And if you weren't allowed to have children or you couldn't have children, people looked down on other people. Like people saw it as, oh my gosh, you know, the Lord doesn't like you. You've done something wrong. There's something bad here. And so you've got to understand that for a long time, this is the state that they feel that they're in, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Then we find out that what happens is, is that an angel visits them and says, yo, I want you to know you're about to have a son. And Elizabeth's like, how? Right? Like, we old, and, and, and Zechariah's like, how? I'm old, and I love the Bible because, like, he says, and she is well along in her years, right? What a gentleman right there. That's a gentleman speaking. I like that. Uh, but, but what happens is, is that actually comes true that the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 24, if you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. 
All right, this is what he said. Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months, and she exclaimed, how kind the Lord is. Like, how kind the Lord is. I love that so much, and we know this guy would eventually have the name of John, and we know him by John the Baptist, and that's not because he went to a Baptist church. That was because he was a baptizer, right? He came before Jesus, baptizing in the wilderness, saying, hey, y'all better get ready because there's one that's coming after me that is awesome, that is incredible, that I'm not even worthy enough to tie his sandals, right? So that's John the Baptist's parents, okay? So that's Elizabeth and Zechariah. Then we've got this other couple named Mary and Joseph. And whether you grew up in church or not, you know the story that we celebrate at Christmas, this lady named Mary who, uh, uh, again, according to the Bible, the Bible says in verse 26 of chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, a descendant of King David. See, angel, this angel tells Mary, hey, homegirl, listen, you are going to become pregnant. And you know what Mary says? How? You know, like, how's that going to happen? I am a virgin. There's no, no, there's no way. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, your cousin Elizabeth down the road has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, right? Used to say that she couldn't conceive and she couldn't have an offspring, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And I love how verse 37 in the ESV puts it. it says, this for nothing will be impossible for with God. See, I love that so much because if you think about it, and if you're hearing some bass on the other side, that's our babies over there worshiping Jesus with everything they got. So I just want y'all to know that's perfectly fine with me, all right? So that, that's the sound of a next generation that's worshiping Jesus with everything I got. I just like that, okay? So we'll talk about that another day, okay? But, but I want you to know that both pregnancies right here are miraculous, and both pregnancies are supernatural, right? And I just came to remind some of us on the last Sunday of this series called What If, that we serve the... The God of the impossible. That's the God that we serve. And I don't know what you walked in here with, but no matter your situation, the walls may feel like they're closing in around you. It may seem like there's no hope, there's no way out, there's no future. But I came to remind someone today that we serve the God of the impossible. Is there anybody that's thankful for that God? Can we give him five seconds of the loudest praise that we've given him all week long? Come on, give him a big shout of praise. So kind of let's catch up where, this, where this, this relationship is going, okay? Mary, Elizabeth, angel leaves Mary. Mary packs up all of her stuff and starts to make a beeline for Elizabeth. And then this incredible conversation takes place. Two of the most important and what would seem improbable pregnancies in the world. And then we pick up on this conversation that's happening in verse 39. Are you ready for us? I'm ready. All right, just what it says. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house, greeted Elizabeth. And watch what it says. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, Elizabeth's baby, leaped within her. All right, that's what it says, leaped within her, and Elizabeth, watch what it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So now Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, declares this. Watch what she says. Gave a glad little cry. I just kind of think it sounded like this. 
Like that. That's just kind of where I was going. Just my ADHD just went there, okay? And he exclaimed, that's probably not how it happened, okay? Like, I should not have done that. Okay, can we erase that on the tape? That'd be great. Okay. Um, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. Right? Like, like, your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And then she said, again, full of the Holy Spirit, she's saying, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Come on, in your seat, won't you do a little, little jump for joy? Come on, all over this room. Look, come on, all over the room. Come on, I'm going to see all over. Nice. Okay, good, good, good. Jump for joy, right? And then watch what it says. You are blessed because you believe what the Lord would do what he said. Now, now, of course, if we think about this right here, none of this is being written with abortion in mind, right? None of it is being written with that. That's not the point. The point is, how do we as a church, how do we look at text like this, and how does it shape the way that we see the unborn? How does it shape the way that we look at, at, a, at a baby on the wo- in the womb of a woman? There's two things I want to just kind of throw out to you today. They're not going to be up here on the screen, but I want to kind of explain them to you really fast. And the word child and the word baby that is used in verse 41 and 44, they have some significance that we need to look at. You need to understand that that word baby is not actually a specialized word for the unborn, not an embryo. Like that's not what they say when the baby was in her womb. No, she wasn't saying that was an embryo or a fetus. No, it was the ordinary word for baby. And it's a Greek word by the word, by the word brephos, B-R-E-P-H-O-S, okay? Brephos. And what, what makes it so clear is the fact and the significance of the way that that word is used, not only in Luke chapter 1, go over another chapter to Luke chapter 2, and how it's used to describe Jesus in a manger. Watch what it says, Luke 2, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the brephos, there was the baby lying in the manger. See, what I want you to see is that when he was talking about the baby in the womb or the baby outside of the womb, it's the exact same word for baby. I want us to see that. And what the church has seen in this and what we believe in this is that what Jesus and John were outside the womb, they were already that way inside the womb. That they were a baby created in the image of God. And I just believe, as I told you, kind of our, our story of seeing our twins for the very first time in the ultrasound room. I think that, that science has done nothing more than just kind of uh, make this easier to believe, not necessarily harder to believe, right? I, I think ultrasound technology kind of gives us this window into like the, the womb of a, of a, of a lady that, that shows that an unborn baby at eight weeks can suck its thumb, can kind of recoil from being pricked, responds to the sounds, all the organs there are, pre- are present, the brain is functioning, the heart is pumping, the liver's making blood cells, and the kidneys are cleaning fluids, and there is a fingerprint. Have you ever looked at your fingerprint? I'm just, I know this is like really, really, really crazy. Everybody just look at your thumb. Like, come on, like you might have to get like real, just like this, okay? I want you to understand there's not another person on the planet that has your fingerprint. Think about that for just a second. Like, I, I know that's, like, really super childish of me sometimes, but, like, if I put my hands on the windows that Hallie just cleaned, I'm like, ooh, I should not have done that. But, like, I, I look at that, and I think, oh, my gosh, think about how unique each one of us are. Think about how uniquely created all of us are. And I want us to know that this is even confirmed by the fact of, guess what? The Bible, Luke speaking on behalf of God is saying, you know what? I want you to know that the baby on the inside is the same as a baby on the outside. It's the same word used right there. Not only that... 
The baby that, that was inside of Mary and, and, and obviously Elizabeth's womb was treated as a person. I think that's the second thing that we need to see is that Elizabeth's womb responded the way that it responded, the baby on the inside to the, the, the son of God that Mary was also carrying on the inside. Again, think about it, verse 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. Right, left within her. Verse 44, Elizabeth interprets that leap after she has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. It jumped for joy. And I think that's so important. Luke says that Elizabeth said this because she was full of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed saying this. Hey, hey. In other words, I want us to know the Holy Spirit prompted her to say that this baby right here leaped inside of her, leapt inside of her womb was a leap of joy. Not just a leap of joy, but a Holy Spirit inspired leap of joy. It's literally what took place. And so again, I want us to understand understand, like take this even a step further, Luke chapter 1 verse 14 through 15, this kind of just talks and gives a little bit more credibility to the fact that this baby on the inside was a person. Luke 1, 14 and 15, you have great joy and gladness. This is the angel talking to Zechariah. And many will rejoice at your son's birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks. Watch what it says. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. I want you to understand something, that only people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to know that. Like, there's never been an instance in the Bible where, like, an animal was filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? There wasn't just a part, just an arm, just a leg, just skin filled with the Holy Spirit. No, only people are filled with the Holy Spirit. What Luke is doing, what Luke is saying, and he is doing it as a spokesman of Christ, is treating this child in the womb as a person, and he uses the word baby, which he later uses for Jesus in the manger, and he uses the word joy, which is what you and I feel a lot of times, right? As a person, we feel joy. He uses the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what God does to people and he's simply saying and he's telling you and I the person inside of that person is a person that that baby inside the womb is a person I want to just take a second to make that case today I want to just take a second as we begin just to say why are we so passionate about it we really do believe the Bible and take it at what it says and think that on the inside of that woman there is a baby and that baby has an identity and a purpose and God put that baby there for a specific reason and that's what we believe as a church and so maybe you're here again that's one side of the coin I just wanted to kind of give you just the heart behind why we believe in life so much that's just one instance but then maybe you're here and you're asking this question what if I've had an abortion like what if I have had one what if what what if I'm considering it and maybe again you're in that moment where you're considering it and I just want to challenge some of us in this room what uh, again one more time let me encourage you with something no matter who you are what you've done in the past where you've been how long you've been there what your struggle might be guess what you matter to God that God cares about you and you matter to this church and you matter to me and you have a purpose and maybe Maybe you're in this room and you're considering an abortion. I want you to understand you may be finding yourself in a desperate position in your life. How many of us would be honest all across this room and say, you know what? We've been desperate before. Come on. Anybody ever been there? 
I think all of us have been desperate before. We found ourselves in a situation where, you know what, we're willing to compromise and do anything just to get a little bit of grasp, just to get a little bit of hope, just to get a little bit of of, of something different because we feel like we're so desperate. And maybe you find yourself with an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe you find yourself there. You're feeling alone. You're feeling scared. You're feeling like things are flying out of control. And you're feeling desperate. And when you're desperate, you're willing to rethink everything that we've known. Right, And I just think it's whatever pressures you may be feeling right now, maybe you are considering an abortion. I don't know, maybe it's the financial pressure, maybe it's some drug abuse, maybe it's health issues and concerns or raising the fear, like the fear of raising a baby by yourself. Here's the thing I want you to know is that your desperate situation is not beyond God's reach. That's what I want you to understand, that God knows who's destined to carry every child, calling his children to a purpose before they were even born. He even said so in Psalm 139. One of my favorite passages in all the scripture, and I want you to know that when you have a pulse in your body, you have a pulse and you're in this place, that God has a purpose for you, all the way back from where you were inside of your mother's womb, like he had a plan and a purpose for your life. Look at what Psalm 139, 13 says. You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. Somebody say thank you. Right? Sometimes we need to just thank God for making us wonderfully complex. Some of you men, do not elbow your wives in that moment right there, all right? Like, we're all wonderfully complex. We're all so different. Again, there's not a fingerprint that looks exactly the same anywhere. That's incredible to me. Even our twins have different thumbprints. Isn't that crazy to me? It's just wild. Wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't know if you've ever, I was not good at science back in the day, but if you go and you look at a DNA molecule, right? Isn't it crazy that those things look like it's being woven and knitted together, right? Because this is what I know, before science ever knew it, God knew it. Before science ever knew it and realized it, God had already been forming and creating on the inside before a day had even passed. And this is what I want you to know. So you may feel like this is an un, like you are in a circumstance that is imperfect, but I want you to know that the, the, that the timing rests perfectly in the hands of God. That, that you may feel like, oh my gosh, this is not what I have planned. And, and again, there may be some sin there that we got an issue that we got to talk through, right? Of what got you in this position before. But let me encourage you with something that nothing surprises God. And no circumstance, no event, and no unplanned pregnancy. Right? You may think that your life is over, but let me encourage some of you in this room that God can work through this situation for your good. Whether you raise your child yourself or you place your child in the hands of an adoption agency choosing to keep this baby, if you're considering an abortion, I would just plea with you that maybe you, I believe you'll see God work miracles in your lives and in the lives of others if you would do this one selfless act of giving life to a child inside of you. That, that literally I believe that God could use to bring out the very best within you. And what you might perceive as shame or regret, I believe, come on, if we're going to praise God, let's praise them all together. I want to encourage you that listen to me, what you might perceive as shame or regret is the fact that he wants to transform into a gift of grace. 
And listen to me, you don't have to have everything out to be a parent. Praise God for all the parents in the room, right? Come on, I got four of them, and it ain't getting no easier. Come on, right? I wish there was a book that told us how to parent, right? The, the, the Bible, obviously, yes, for everybody that's like, well, you read the Bible. Yes, I'm going to read the Bible, how it's your parent. I'm talking about like, okay, what about diapers at 2 a.m.? Come on, somebody, right? With that figured out, okay? But like, I, I want you to know, I, I, and we as a church, I want you to know if you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, that we want to be the place that walks through this with you. And you will not be on this journey alone. And not only that, guess what? God is faithful. Right, that our God is faithful. Isaiah 41 10 says, Hey, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And then look at Hebrews 10, verse 23. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. Somebody say, Hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. This is what I know, is that God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. And I know that there's some promises that maybe I just need to remind you of today on this Sunday morning, is that there's a promise that God it promises to strengthen you, that God promises to give you rest, that God promises to take care of all of your needs, that God promises to answer your prayers and listen to your prayers. God promises to work everything out for your good if you love him or are called according to his purpose. That the promises of God are to be with you, to never leave you, to never abandon you, to protect you, to give you freedom from sin through his son Jesus. The promises of God are plans for you that are good, filled, that you are filled with the overflowing hope that he promises in Romans 15. The promise of God is that you and I can have power to live out this life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the promise of God is that hey, guess what? He will not leave you, forsake you, and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Is anybody thankful for the promises of God? I know I am, because on my worst day, I go back to that promises because he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. You may find yourself in a situation where there is no hope. You feel like it's all gone. It's all lost. Listen to me. If you would just submit your life to Jesus, I really do believe uh, there, there is nothing too big that our God can't handle. And I'm so thankful for a God that we serve that is that for maybe you've had a, uh, an abortion in the past. So maybe you're considering it or maybe you've had one. Let me encourage you with something. Is that that abortion does not have to define you. And I'll take even the idea of abortion out. Your past doesn't have to define you. Your family history doesn't have to define you. What, what, what you did last week doesn't have to define you. Jesus can carry any burden that we are willing to bring to him every single time. This is what he says in 1 John 1. This is a promise that he, whenever we bring our sin to God, that he is generous in his mercy. 1 John 1, 8, 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves, including the guy with a microphone in his hand. We've all got sin. Listen, we've all got sin in our life. And we find ourselves not living in the truth, as it says there. But, watch what it says. But, everybody shout, but. But if we confess our sins to him, watch what it says. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Another translation says all unrighteousness. This is what I know about God's forgiveness is that it's certain. Right? God's forgiveness is certain. And trusting him will begin a healing process. And yes, I said process because it may not happen immediately. 
There may be some things you have to work through, some grief or forgiving yourselves or forgiving others. And as you read and as you pray and as you're going to crew and maybe counseling, that's going to help you work through the process of saying, you know what, I'm going to work through this grief and I'm going to discover the abundant life that Jesus wants for me. That's what I want you to write down is abortion is not the end of your story. And again, you can, maybe, maybe abortion's not in your story. Maybe it's not anywhere in your radar. You can cross out whatever that is and say, you know what? Your past is not the end of your story. That, that my mistakes are not the end of my story. That the things that I've done, the things that I've said are not the end of the story. Our mistakes do not have to define us. Our mistakes do not have to be the end of the story. We see a proof of that all throughout the Bible, right? All throughout the Bible, we find people that were mistake, like not free. They were mistake after mistake after mistake over and over and over again. Yet God in his mercy and in his grace used them no matter what. One gal, her name's Mary Magdalene. If you've heard of her, wave at me. Come on. You heard of her? Yeah, we all have. Mary Magdalene, was. did you know she was demon-possessed before she was healed by Jesus? She was demon-possessed before she was healed by Jesus. But Jesus, one encounter with him, and guess what? She, her whole life changed, and she became a devoted follower of Jesus and was the first person that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Don't tell me that the past or what you've gone through is the end of your story, because it is not. There's another story in the Bible who was bleeding for 12 years straight. She'd suffered greatly. She spent all that she had on doctors, was completely healed just by pushing through a crowd and touching Jesus's cloak. Again, don't tell me that it's something you've struggled with for years that God cannot heal in a moment. Believe that all in my heart. Paul persecuted followers of Jesus, like okayed the very first person to be killed for following Jesus. Like was standing there and was like, okay, I'll hold y'all's coats while you're throwing stones at this dude to kill him, okay? That followed Jesus and yet Paul meets Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and became one of the most prolific preachers of the gospel and church planners to ever live. Writing 13 of the, the 27 New Testament books were written by Paul. What I want you to understand is that your past does not define you. That your mistake does not define you. That God in his grace, if you will submit your life to him, can use anything for his glory. I believe that to be true. There's another guy in the Bible, the demon-possessed man, living amongst the tombs in the graveyard, cutting himself, crying, was completely healed after meeting Jesus. And this is what I want you to know. When he begged Jesus after that, let me go with you on this journey, Jesus said, no, 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 what I want you to do is go and share your story. I want you to go and share your story. See, this is what I know about Jesus is that we get a fresh start with Jesus. And we get a fresh start when we get the opportunity to share the hope that we found in Jesus with other people. And my question is this, what if one of the ways God wants to bring good out of your situation that you may find yourself in is by allowing you to comfort and encourage others who have been through an abortion or are contemplating one now? Because this is what I know, sometimes what we consider our greatest mistake is the exact thing that qualifies us to minister to others. Sometimes the thing that we think, God, man, there's no way God could ever use me, there's no way God could ever work through me, is the exact thing he's looking for when he's looking for somebody to send out to that group of people that you may have influence with. 
And I want to encourage you, when we know the pain of having maybe had an abortion or have a past and have experienced the forgiveness and healing of Jesus and everything that he offers, you know what begins to happen? We develop a deeper compassion and love for those that are out there that have gone or are going through the same thing. And so again, as this series, that we're wrapping it up, I would pray that our heart would be just so festered up with, you know what, compassion for other people that are walking through different scenarios in their life. And I would just say, let's go out and take Jesus to the ends of the earth and let's make a difference in his name. I believe that because I believe whatever you're walking through, God can turn it for good. Romans 8, 28 is what this church, like the, the, the main verse of walking through a season before this that was tough. And guess what? This was a verse that we clung to and where the name Purpose Church comes from. It's this idea, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his what? Purpose for them. So what do you do if you know somebody who's considering an abortion who, or who's had an abortion? I believe the best way that Christians can help Jesus rewrite more stories. We're not the one rewriting the story. Jesus is. The best way for us to be a part of that is by making a commitment to show love and mercy when scared people confess sin. This is what I know about the church. This is what I believe about the church is this idea that the church should be the safest place for people to bring their secrets and their sins. I believe this should be the safest place for somebody to say, you know what, I am contemplating having an abortion. That this should be a place where somebody runs and says, hey, I'm looking for some healing. I'm looking for some help. And I think for far too long, the church has been very truthful with no grace. And I think a lot of times we've been very graceful, but no truth. And I think we got to marry that with truth and grace because it's good medicine. I think for so many of us, like you got to understand this place right here is not a social club for saints. You know what it is? It's a hospital for sinners. And I don't know about you, but I got sin up in my life. And thanks be to God that his forgiveness and grace and mercy is available for anybody that asks for it. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a place where it's okay to not be okay. Like you can walk in this place and not be okay. Listen to me, you can walk in here and you are welcome in this place. But I just want you to know something is that the Lord loves you too much to leave you that way. That it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. I mean, whatever you walked in here with, that there is a way out. That there is hope for you. That there is healing available for you. That there is restoration available for you. And it's in the person and the power and the blood Jesus I just think that this church I want to be a place where you know what again it's okay to not be okay we got a lot tap your neighbor say you messed up you messed up you messed up I, I want that to be the case because guess what guess what as I shared with you my story just a few weeks ago listen there's been times in my life I, I do not stand on this stage and act like I've got it all together all the time because I don't but again, the, as we said last week, the, level, like the, the foot at the cross is level. And that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been there, that forgiveness, hope, healing, restoration is found in Jesus. I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what baggage, background, whatever you walked in here with. But I believe that if you will surrender it to Jesus, it may not happen overnight. 
It may be a process that begins to take place, but let me encourage you with something. I really do believe that when you bring it to Jesus, that he has the power to, to heal whatever you're walking through. That he has the power, the ability, that if you would bring that burden to him and you would lay it at his feet, that he's faithful and just to forgive you and I of all unrighteousness. So wherever you find yourself, whatever your story might be, I just ask you really quick, would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? The Bible tells us that we've all messed up, that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But what I love about Jesus is the fact that he gave his life for us. The Bible tells us why you probably wonder, why in the world do we even need Jesus to die on the cross? Why did he even have to come? Why did he have to do that? The Bible tells us that there has to be a payment for our sin. There had to be something that took place to where there's an exchange of payment for the sin debt that you and I created. And I want you to know that, that again, Jesus in his goodness and his grace and his kindness and his mercy said, you know what, if you will put your faith and trust in me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to go and make a perfect sacrifice. I'm going to make a perfect payment for you. I just need you to put your trust in me. I just need you to put your faith in me. Bible says that if you know what, what, what there had to be a payment for sin. And if we, if we don't accept what Jesus did on the cross, here's what I know is that you, if you don't accept Jesus, you'll spend eternity away from him paying for your own sin. And I just don't want that for you. And Jesus wants and invites you into a relationship with him. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died in our spot. And he is offering an invitation to you. Hey, join my family. Hey, accept my forgiveness. Hey, be in my family today by saying yes to what I did to you. So maybe you're in here. You say, I need to say yes to Jesus today. I need to say yes to him today. If that's you, listen, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I believe right now is the time where you make that decision and say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. Given my life. And so the Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So if that's you and you want to give your heart and life to Jesus today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray something like this. I'm going to give you a chance to confess and believe in your heart with this prayer that I'm about to tell you in a second. It doesn't have to be word for word. I just want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you save me? I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross in my spot. I believe that they put you in the grave. And I believe that three days later you got out of the grave. And I put my full trust in you today. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Help me live for you from this day forward. Maybe that's you. Maybe you prayed something like that. Maybe you prayed it word for word, but you just meant it in your heart. You just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that all of heaven is parting when one person comes to Jesus. When one person says yes to Jesus, that there is a heavenly party happening. In just a second, I'm going to ask that we would just celebrate that. But if that's you and you just pray to receive Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something in a second. When you make an important decision, when you got something that happens, when you got a relationship that starts, like you know what happens? You're telling everybody. Right, you're telling all when you're excited about it, when you when you know it's the right thing. Like you're telling all your friends, you're telling everybody. I think about you know, Allie's and I when we started our relationship, and I was telling everybody. Whenever we got married, I was telling everybody, "Yo, I'm I'm married. Like I I love my wife." And I just think this is the the point. Now that you've made the decision to say, "Okay, I'm going to say yes to Jesus," you got to tell somebody. 
So I'm going to ask you, you could tell us here at this church, we would love to know it. You know why? Because we would love to walk through this next few months, few weeks, few days that you got coming up ahead of you as a new follower of Jesus, that you are going to be experiencing questions, you're going to be having doubts, you're going to be having certain things that go on. And we just want to be a church that's right there with you, that walks alongside with you, that helps just, just answer any questions you might have and help you just kind of take that next step towards Jesus. I love that. So here's what I'm asking you to do. One of two ways you can let us know. One way is you can actually text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. That lets us know that you said yes to Jesus, and it would be our honor to be able to follow up with you this week. Or if you're here and you're in this service, at the end of service, I know we got baptism happening outside, but we got a team of people on either side of the stage here that if you want to just let them know, hey, I met Jesus today. And we would love to give you a Bible. We'd love to give you a new believer's guide. Just telling you that we love you. We're cheering, cheering you on. Excuse me. And we're so excited about what God is doing in your life. That's all we're going to ask of you. Would you let somebody know? I tell you, let somebody in your family know. Let the person you came with know as well. And we're going to celebrate that with you in just a few minutes. But I want to also give another invitation. And maybe you're in this room and you walked in here with your past feeling like it's pulling you back. You walked in here with some mistakes that you regret that you know you shouldn't have done, some sin patterns, some sin in your life, and you're saying, you know what, I walked in here today, and today I'm laying it at the foot of Jesus. And today I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to put it at the foot of Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let him hold that, let him carry that burden for me like he did on the cross, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release that to Jesus. But if you would just like some prayer, or you just like somebody just to, just, hey, I'm going to acknowledge that's me. And I feel like I've been, hold, been, been held back by what I've walked through in the past because my past keeps showing back up. My, my mistakes keep showing back up. If that's you and you just want somebody to pray for you, i just love to see your hand. We're not going to bring anybody to you and tap you and say, hey, let me pray for you. No, no, but if that's you, just would you raise your hand and drop it right back down. Yeah, I see hands all over this room. I think all of us have been there. I think all of us have been there. I love that. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for your openness to be able to say, hey, that's me. We're going to be praying. And, and again, I want to just offer our incredible prayer team on either side of this uh, platform and, and, and a stage and uh, on each side of this altar that would just be love to pray with you what you have going through and what you got going on. I love that so much. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.